0: so important to to not just stray to the eternal optimist and say everything's gonna be fine like you know this this tough thing happened we're good let's move on no like i it's important to to dig into those depths and wallow in those depths and feel the pain and sadness and loss and uncertainty and that's such an important process part of the process of, of grieving and recovering
1: you all are in for a treat today. That is Joe Gintu on this episode of Time to Sing Your Song. Walking, running, swimming, just standing up. Things that most of us take for granted. I certainly do. But what if those luxuries were taken away from you? How would you respond? What would be your mindset? How would you live your life? Would you find purpose? Or would you stew in misery? Is a victim of fate. For Joe Gintu, these were the questions he had to answer as a young man after a beautiful day learning to surf. There was no spectacular accident, but Joe suffered a rare spinal cord injury, and within seven hours of the surf lesson, Joe was paralyzed, something that has stayed with him to this day. What I love about Joe's story is the way in which he has tackled life over the last 16 years. Honestly, I've been asking myself if I would be half The person Joe is someone who's making an impact on this world, someone who is chasing his dreams, and someone who has a mindset that doesn't allow the disability to put limitations on what he can and can't do. As you listen to our conversation, I'd encourage you to think about three questions What are you grateful for that you take for granted? Second, how are you allowing the hard things in your life? To impact the way you treat others, and finally, how are you really showing up for that person who needs your help? As you'll notice, I am not bombarding you with advertisements and commercials. That's because I don't want anything to get in the way of sharing these stories with you. But I do have a few simple asks. Go to Apple Podcasts and give Time to Sing Your Song a review. It does wonders to bring exposure to the podcast. Please also share with your family and friends. You can also subscribe to my weekly Time to Sing Your Song newsletter at timetosingyoursong.beehive.com forward slash subscribe. Now, Beehive is B-E-E and then Hive is H-I-I-V. If you have a kick-ass story or you know somebody who does, hit me up on social media, Mike Kearney on LinkedIn and Emma Kearney33 on Twitter. You can also email me at mike at timetosingyoursong.com. Okay, enough of me prattling. let's jump in to Joe's story. Joe Gintu, welcome to Time to Sing Your Song.
0: Mike, it's so great to be reconnected and, and chat with you today.
1: Dude, I gotta tell you, I was looking at a old LinkedIn post that you put up maybe a year or two ago where you shared your story, the story you're about to tell. And I remember myself writing, damn, Joe, you're an inspiration. I didn't know all of this. And I have to say, I think what's going to happen by the end of this conversation is that you're going to be an inspiration to me, but you're going to become an inspiration to so many other people.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I, I'm very open to sharing my story and, and I actually want to so that people can learn from what I've gone through. And it's interesting trying to find a singular platform to to share that and have the messages come across. But I mean, I've definitely gone through a pretty adverse thing in my life and um yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to, to going a little more depth than, than I did in a, a short LinkedIn post.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so let's just start there, Joe. Um, let's go back. I think it was 16 years ago uh, in March where you're in Hawaii surfing. I think uh, you're somewhat of a novice, but you're going to share that. What happened?
0: Yeah. 16 years. It's cool. Next month or um, March 12, 2007 is the the day that will live in my, my own personal infamy. So uh, just under 16 years ago, which is crazy to think. It's almost the third of my life. Um, so what happened? I went to Hawaii with my girlfriend at the time, and we were going there for a friend's wedding. And, well, sorry, a cousin's wedding. Went there, went to the wedding, a beautiful wedding, lots of people. Um, and you're in Hawaii, right? So we decided to stay for a few more days after the wedding just to enjoy the beach, the sun, and you know I'm I'm, a, I'm from Southern California, a SoCal boy, 20 minutes from Malibu, but never took up surfing. Uh, I tried boogie boarding and always loved the water and doing those water sports. But uh, we did a surfing lesson that that Monday morning after the wedding, and um, it was awesome. I mean, I felt so cool. We we did we took a lesson. They they got us on the on the sand to do the various movements, got us out on the water. So it was me my girlfriend at the time and I'll give away an end of the story where it's somewhat happily uh, ever after. So she's my she's now my wife. So if I slip and say my girlfriend or my wife, I don't have a wife and girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) But uh, so in the lesson, it was me, my wife, Yvette, and uh, a a Canadian girl. I was about 24 at the time. Uh, The the Canadian girl was about 18, just to um, give a little more visual to the story. And then the surf instructor, Beautiful day in Honolulu on Waikiki beach uh, paddled out the one, two, three, four of us into the ocean. And it was just one of those things you see from the movies. And like you, you go out in the water, you're you, like, the sun is glistening off the, off the, and off in the distance and you see some waves they they're gentle and they're, they're perfect for a novice. And I see a wave coming and the, the instructor's like, all right, let's go jump up. And I I crush it, man. And like, you know, I was dating my my girlfriend at the time for maybe a year. So I was like, oh, I'm totally impressing her. It looks so cool on the surfboard. You're like, I'm the man, and- check
1: me out, right? Oh, on the surfboard.
0: It was like, there's nothing more I wanted in that life to nail that first wave. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I crushed it, man. And uh yeah, I did it and I got up and and I wrote it and like, you know, 30 feet from the shore, and then the instructor the was like, All right, come back out. Pad, go back on the board, paddle, get on my stomach, paddle back out to the instructor. Um, and we're like, oh, this is awesome. This is so much fun and easy. <laughs> I'm a natural. I mean, granted you the waves are probably like the tiniest waves you've seen in your life, but um, yeah, do it again, jump on the second wave. And it's probably then when I, after I got, I caught the second wave, I, uh, you know, I, I started swimming. I w- went back to paddle back to the instructor and I felt I thought myself to be relatively athletic basketball, snowboarding, etc. Um, so I you know, picked it up a little bit. And you know, I started at that point I started feeling a little bit of pain in my back, but I, you know, I was just like, whatever. I've never done surfing before. Caught the next third wave, fourth wave, a couple more waves, and it just the similar theme. Caught the wave and then <clears throat> was uh, getting out swim swam by 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 the other person. And you know it was a fun time. We we're out in the water for about 90 minutes, um, got off and when we got out of the water on my way out, I stepped on a sea urchin. So, like one of those spiky things that got lodged in my my toe. And so I was kind of limping. So, like we got back to the shore and I was, um, we found the lifeguard and said, Hey, like, does, do we need to do anything about this? And he said, No. And at the time, my back was hurting too. But I, I equate to the pain in my back as if, you know, you, you've never done a sit up and you do 100 sit ups and you're like, Oh, my abs are kind of sore, right? Uh, right, so Which totally
1: makes sense in the moment. It's like, yeah, I just did this workout that I'm not used to. My back hurts. Like totally yeah. makes sense.
0: And I, you know, I, like I said, I was relatively athletic. I've done yoga with that similar movement of surfing and some of the dynamic movements, but my, my back was hurting. I, again, I thought nothing of it. Um So we went to lunch, got some margaritas and, so, you know, how about, making, making our, our pains go away with a little tequila. We didn't go overboard. We just had a couple margaritas, but I remember distinctly sitting at the table and, and there's a, a flight of steps, about 20 steps that we had to get to the restaurant sat at the table. And Yvette kept on saying like, stop, stop kicking me. <laughs> Why are you kicking me? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And apparently I, I had started um, spasming and just involuntarily kicking her. And, felt really bad. And about you didn't, it it so. you didn't
1: know it at the time. Is that right? Like you're kicking her and you weren't aware of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some, sometimes like it was such a weird thing, man, where obviously anytime I moved a body part, it was intentional. And so when I kicked her, I'm like, Oh, I, I had no idea that I was about to do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had lunch and go back to the hotel room, lie down, just try to stretch out my back <clears throat> and it just, the, the pain gets worse and worse. We had a, a massage scheduled for later in the afternoon, the, the jam packed day, right? We're only in Hawaii for a couple of days. So um, massage scheduled for that day and the Luau at night. And then I think of plane a day or two after. Um, so we go to the the spa to say like, you know, maybe in the hot tub, if I, if I warm it up, it'll feel better. Um, got there and it just, it was, the pain was just too, too immense. So we actually took a, a shuttle back to where there was a, a doctor clinic. And went to the doctor with a little bit of weight, saw the doctor, told him what happened, which is kind of nothing. <laughs> what happened? We just went surfing and stepped on a sea urchin. And there was this look on his face, Mike, that I will never forget, man. It was like, like, it, it just looked like he, like, he looked at like me like I just died. And I was like, what? I was like, dude, I, I just went surfing and my back hurts. And he, there was this immense, um, fright and urgency on his face and he's like yeah um can you lie down like lie down and try not to move as much as you can i'm like Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right like sure uh and he's like i'm gonna call an ambulance and uh we're gonna get you to the to the hospital do an emergency mri like i I think they're usually pretty booked but i'll make sure they get you in i i still had really no indication around what was really happening and near the the tail end of when the ambulance is about to, to to pick me up he said there's this something that's super rare called surfers myelopathy. Um, usually happens the first time surfers don't know much about it. Not much written, not much seen. Um, you're lucky you saw me because almost any doctor wouldn't have not have heard of this, but I have. Um, so that's why I'm taking the, the steps I'm doing. And, you know, I it's so weird, dude. Like I didn't get hit by a wave. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't like break the rules. Just... Normal day when I go and surfing in Hawaii, like I'm sure millions of people have.
1: Did he explain what is it? Surfers myelopathy? Am I getting it right?
0: Surfers myelopathy, and I, I say that I say that with confidence and enunciation because I've said it a million times. But I, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's tough to pronounce if you're not in medicine. my uh, Surfers, surfers like surfing, and myelopathy, which is I think some indication of a of a stroke. Like doctors, if you're listening.
1: Did he tell you what it was in that moment? Because if if a doctor said that to me, I'd be like, okay, what the hell does that mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, he didn't, he didn't. He said, I know what this is, lie down, we'll get you an MRI. I asked a few questions about it, and he, he was just essentially playing it off as, you know, like, you should be fine, just we'll get you to the hospital to do more diagnostics. So, I mean, he didn't say much about it, and I don't think that was any great fault of his again it's such it would i mean it it still is but even 16 years ago it was such a rare thing that nobody really knew much about it so i did ask a little about it but he just said you know it just seems like you hurt your back surfing when you need to do more tests to see what it was yeah at that time they didn't have the mri to confirm that's what it was either so again i'm sure you don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole um but to me man like i was next thing i know i'm in an ambulance with my wife like you know like i don't it's just We've all experienced ambulances, if if not like as a a driver, but like is the full thing, man. They had those sirens on, like beeping, getting traffic out of the way. (laughs) And I'm like, is this necessary? Like, I, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things, man. I was like, one, is this necessary? Seems kind of extravagant. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, am I dying? Like, it, it seems pretty extravagant. And he seemed pretty worried. And for something that was such an unknown thing, and he didn't have many answers for me at the time, like, I, that was a real possibility. I was like, I don't feel like I'm dying. I feel <laughs> my back hurts, but I otherwise feel okay. But the urgency and the way that people were treating me, mm. the, the professionals was, was so, <clears throat> so unnerving. I mean, you just, you know, didn't really know, what to, know how to, how to react to it.
1: So then you get to the hospital and then what?
0: Get to the hospital. And, you know, throughout that time I have different doctors and nurses saying, Hey, can you wiggle your toes? Can you do this action? Can you do that? And, you know, I, I could while I was lying down and I noticed that as time went on, it was a little bit less, a little bit less. They, um, they, as promised, they got me directly into an MRI pretty quickly and got the results from the MRI pretty quickly. And it was at that moment, which was end to end from the time I went surfing to the time I got out of the MRI machine where they said, Hey, can you move your toes? And I couldn't, um, is is one is the kind of the entire time that, that the, the injury took place, which is again, span about seven hours, which, you know, laying on, on the, on the gurney and you can move your toes and you're like, I'm trying like I've done a million times, but doesn't, I can see my toes, but I can't, they're not really doing anything. Um, which again, which at that time I'm like, Hey, is this, is this the beginning of the end of like, does it start with my toes and creep up my entire body and like adios amigo? Um, I just, (laughs) it it was so so uncertain and one thing one one vector to the story i'll share with you mike that plays into just everything that you know that i've experienced and i see is the impact this had on the people around me meaning i had my girlfriend there with me at the time and obviously i was going through a, a huge ordeal but man what was she going through And at that time to my parents, like I said, they were at the wedding. It was Monday. They were flying back out. We, you know, we were holding off on like telling them just because we're like, I don't know, it's kind of like a headache or whatever. When I got to the hospital when we, when we decided, okay, we probably should call my parents. They were literally boarding the plane Mm. to go back home and we, we caught them and we said, you know, I mean, I'm in the hospital. If you guys want to come back, they're like, absolutely. So they rushed back, but just, you know i i'm telling you the story from my perspective but it's just such an interesting consideration of what is everybody else experiencing because for whoever's listening to this it's it's whatever adversity that one might experience it's important to recognize the highs lows and we'll talk through sort of how i sorted through that but as i've kind of matured and evolved just having an understanding of the impact it's had on on my tribe um, in this in those immediate moments, my my girlfriend, my parents, and then later on, my friends and coworkers and colleagues and, and and others, it's just this has such a peripheral impact on on everybody and and the choices that I make and that we make does have an impact and a reverberated energetic and specific impact to those that are in that sphere.
1: So I, I would say that makes a whole lot of sense when you have an opportunity to kind of step back. Maybe after months or years to reflect, were you actually thinking that at the moment?
0: So, not, not specifically. I I wasn't. I wasn't consciously making decisions to to consider all those peripheral impacts. Yep. But several, like ten years later, thinking back to it, is I indirectly did. So no, no. So the the answer is no. I wasn't specifically making like thinking through that and say, I'm going to act this way because of them. But I also recognize, Hey, this really, really crappy thing just happened to me. And like right now it doesn't seem like there's much I can do about the past, but I can somewhat control what's in my present and my future. And mm-hmm. the way that I approach this will, you know, like will impact those around me. Cause they, my, my girlfriend stayed with me for the long haul. So do my parents and it's, I could be mopey, and that will, they'll be mopey, Right. And, or I can be, optimistic and and hopeful and they can be optimistic and hopeful and obviously that doesn't i, I don't directly tell them what to do or whatever but it's just because like everything you do has an energetic impact and i think i made an unconscious decision at that point to, to choose the route that i chose and again we'll kind of we can unpack this a little bit now i think leading up to that i just the the, the overall the over, overarching topic is resilience and how I've built that accidentally throughout my years. Um, <clears throat> my dad was a salesman. Like he immigrated, th- My both my parents immigrated to the Philippines in the seventies. And he was grinding, man, any, any, <laughs> stuff, any pyramid scheme, any, uh, <laughs> any sales thing you can get. He, he was on it just to support his four kids and, and his family to make it here in the U.S. And I, I distinctly remember, man, like almost every day to school, I would listen to I'd be listening to, motivational tapes whether it's zig ziglar tony robbins other things that his work gave him just to like keep your head up you can sail you can do this like i mean you get knocked down and get back up and like that stuff reverberates that's from like when i was super young and again that wasn't intentional but i feel like that played into leading to that moment how i actually responded to the event at the time
1: one of the things I wrote down is as you said your behavior impacts the people that you love. So if you have, you know, a victim mindset or you're down in the dumps, they're probably not going to feel very good. But if you tackle this in a positive way, which obviously is very difficult to do, it's going to have an impact on on the way that they act around you as well. I think I think your observation of that wherever it came from, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, your dad, uh, is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so easy to Like one, I do want to touch on that. It's so important to, to not just stray to the eternal optimist and say, everything's going to be fine. Like, you know, this, this tough thing happened. We're good. Let's move on. No, like I, I, it's important to, to dig into those depths and wallow in those depths and feel the pain and sadness and loss and uncertainty. And that's such an important process part of the process of of grieving and recovering but it's also realization at some point and for people some different people it's a different timeline that the 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 sooner you can come to terms of some type of acceptance you transition from being a victim to being empowered around the situation Mm -hmm. the circumstance the way you think about it um it's again my timeline was it, it varied because you know, I'll also say, you know, it was tough. I, I, although from the get go, I was relatively optimistic and, and Heidi Ho, like there were times I actually, I'm going back to your other question. I did put on a mask sometimes just because I, I knew if I was wallow, if I was sad with nothing that people could do for me, what, what, what did that do for them? But, you know, I did lean on those in my community to, to be sad around, but uh, you know, it just, I, I, I do want to make clear that it is important to get to those depths as well as to, to, in order to launch you up to the heights.
1: Hey, Joe, I just want to go back to that day, if you don't mind. And this may be a sensitive question, but it sounds like you said seven hours from when you were surfing uh, to when you went through the MRI machine where you couldn't move your toes. How did they tell you that you weren't going to walk again?
0: <laughs> Good question, man. So this goes back to my eternal optimist. So this is, this is March, this is, this is March 12, right? In 2007. My we, my sister and I had moved into a condo together in Southern California the previous summer, and um, I'll give a plug going we to the University of Notre Dame, go Irish. So we were planning on having this like we never had a home a home uh, housewarming party, but March seventeenth, uh, St. Patrick's Day, we're going to have a big blowout party at our place. And when this happened, you know, they said they said yeah, like based on the data that we know. Um, you know, some people walk in, some people don't. Um, and I was like, I mean, I was like, either way, I'm making it to that party. Man, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we, we, we had stairs to get into the building. There's no elevator. And I was like, like we're gonna, I don't care. People need to lift me up. Like I'll sit on the couch. we I have some Guinness. Like <laughs> I was like, adamant. we're gonna. Make, I mean, you know, long story short, I was in rehab, so I didn't make it to that party. But um, yeah, it was. They were talking me through the various um, potential outcomes from what they had seen and. Again, the, so the doctor who had done the most most research in this space was the doctor who was treating me because apparently a lot of first time surfers surf in Hawaii, which makes sense. And um, and Doctor Pierce is his name, and he had done some research. And when I got hurt, there was nine nine published cases. So you're talking about the percentage of how many you can walk, have walked, or not, or recovered, or died, etc. Um, you know, you have your data set of nine people. So the good the good news that they told me is that. We haven't had any direct deaths as a as a result of this meaning, you know, steep downhill like and so that was comforting. Um, the best case scenario is be walking in a few days and walk out of the hospital. The worst case scenario is I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life. Um and you know, me being a youthful and ambitious twenty-four-year-old, I'm like, well, of course I'm gonna walk again. Like a couple of days, I don't know, but month, two months, etc. Um oh, for those who don't know me actually. <laughs> This is 16 years later, and one thing that you know about me is I am still in the wheelchair. So I am still paralyzed. Uh, the amount of mobility that have re- that has returned to me is um, is, is relatively minimal um, from my ambulatory leg perspective. Um, so I'm still in the chair, and and you know we'll get a little more in my story. But that's slowed me down in some things, and I was slow to begin with. <laughs> but it hasn't stopped me from from chasing my dreams and my passions.
1: It, it definitely hasn't stopped you, but I'm curious, once you finally found out that I'm probably not going to walk again, what was your immediate reaction? Because we always hear about these stories, these horrific stories, and people put themselves into you know, the same situation. They go, God, how would I react when I'm told that I'm not going to walk again? What, what was your reaction in that moment? Were you like, yeah. fuck it, I'll figure this out? I'll, I'll make it work? Or you, I don't know. I'm trying to think about how I would react. I don't know how I would.
0: Yeah, I mean, in that moment, it was, so in that moment, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's data and I'll be part of, I don't know the exact percentage, but I'll be part of that 30% that that will walk in, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, in a couple of days or a couple of months, you know, a couple of years, like, no, I won't be part of that data set. I'll be at least in the most couple of months. That was my mindset, right? And <clears throat> as I've continued this journey, I've come to f- figure out that no matter how hard I try, there's there's some things that are within my control and other things that are with, that are outside of my control. And th- this is a, a, a theme that resonates through anything I do now is I, I do the best that I can with my abilities and with what's, what's given to me and in front of me. But I also have faith that there's a higher power that there, in my, my view, there's, there's a God that has an overarching and overall plan. And no matter how much I try to impact a specific outcome, and envision and make it happen. Sometimes that doesn't just, that doesn't happen exactly how I see it. Um, but I'll tell you, man, like 16 years later, taking a look back how, how many blessings I have in my life. Um, you know, as a result, I'm not sure, but like it's, I it's, it's such a mindset to not let that injury define who I am. Um, you know, it, it had always been a goal to walk again. Is that a goal right now? Like, sure, it absolutely is. But that's, I'm not letting that restrict my ability to live life. Like, it, sure, it, it, I, I can't do some things or I can't do some things as easily. But, you know, it is what it is. You can control what you can control. <laughs> and in some ways with that, that, that tenet of acceptance I mentioned earlier, it's also the tenant of letting go. So am I letting go of that hope and dream to walk? I absolutely am not but i'm also choosing to put some of my focus and efforts into my kid my three kids my beautiful wife my career other things and um but that's still something i push for i mean i'll tell you something pretty personal is that i have some very close loved ones and relatives that still come up to me to this day in a very sad way and say hey man we just know that i pray for that you'll walk i'll pray every day i like you know i, I do sacrifices so that you'll walk i know you'll walk again and to me, I'm like I, I'm very grateful for that, obviously. But I also try to explain that the fact that I'm not walking does not mean I'm lacking. It's it's just a different adjustment to life and a different mindset. Like, and again, I'd love to walk again, but it's it's not inhibiting my ability to live. Joe, you
1: you said a couple of things that I just want to drill down on. So I've got two questions. The first is uh, what you just referenced. If you're somebody that is in a situation like this, um, or actually, let me rephrase that. If you're somebody um, like your relatives that are indirectly impacted by this, um, you didn't go through it. What would you, what would you recommend to them that they do and not do? Because they're doing it from a place of love, Mm -hmm. I would imagine, right? Like sympathizing with you, but it's obviously not helping you on your journey. What would you tell your relatives or other people that want to be helpful that want to sympathize.
0: Yeah, it's a good question, Mike. I mean, it so this is regarding the, the injury, but there's other life stuff that's happened. Um I, I mean I know you and I talked recently that I was impacted by the recent tech layoffs and everything. And and so the tenant I'm about to explain to you is very similar across the injury as well as as, as this. So a lot of people say, you know, Hey, reach out to me if you need anything. And that means a lot. That means a lot to have that tribe, that community, etc., And and know that that's there. So if someone knows somebody and there's fear that needs, that's, that's knocked down and needs help, that definitely helps. The next level of help is just doing something <laughs> like I'm just, I'm going to come visit you or I'm going to send you a little gift basket or I'm going to whatever, as opposed to like Having an open invitation because one thing to recognize is that person going through that adversity. There's a very relatively low chance that they'll actually proactively reach out to a particular person um, for a particular thing. That's also very important. That's one of the, the hardest things I've learned is is the art of asking for help because it's in I think most of our natures to just check through and say I can do it and I can push through and you know I, I'm, I'm resilient. But it's there is an art to asking for help. So I would say to that that person in that sphere wanting to support somebody is, is proactively be there, take them out to a dinner, bring them to dinner, be with them physically, um, you know, just know, let them know that you're there. I mean, again, that, that's something that really helped me is just knowing that I had so much love and support in the background. Um, and and the other thing, too, is this is a slight twist on your, your question, Mike, but Almost every day that I go out, I encounter people that want to help. For example, I mean, I, I have, I just, I drive, I'm very, I'm fully independent. I drive my, by myself. I fly by myself. I do everything by myself. Um, well, I mean, I, I can, <laughs> I usually have three kids right behind me, but <laughs> I, I have, the, I, have I, I have the ability to drive by myself. So, you know, when I jump, when I, when I get into the car and I I have to get in and then transfer my wheelchair in and, you know, it's, it's wonky and, and people see that and they say, "Hey, like, do you need some help?" And what I try to do, going back to that other theme of just the energetic sphere, is I know that they're coming to me from a place of love and and compassion, and like, so I I, I very. I mean, I'm usually say, you know, no, thank you. I, I really appreciate it that you, that you're offering, but um, I you know, I kind of explain. Actually, if you help, then I can't get out of the car because the the chair will be in the trunk, et cetera. But I say, but I, you know, I, I reaffirm. Thank you for for your, your your support. I've heard many stories of people like getting offended. Like, do I need help? What? Just get my wheelchair? I was like, well, bro, like, the, do you understand? The person coming at you is like out of love and compassion and and I, I was talking to this to my wife about the other day like if you think about if you like movie out the scenario like someone asked to help and you like express grace and, and appreciation they go on in their day and they feel good about themselves versus the other arm where it's like they offer to help and you're like yeah, no like whatever like get away like what do you think i need to help then that could ruin their entire day which ruins their family's day which ruins their colleagues day which has a downward impact i'm like and it's not necessary like you know, they just wanted, it's a very simple thing. So it's, you know, from the mindset of the person impacted, just be okay that people will, will, that people will be okay to accept love. Um, Like I said, it's, it's more of an art than I ever realized. It's really difficult sometimes, but it's, it's also very important.
1: So Joe, let's go into what you did, to overcome this challenge. You, you you talked about the fact that you developed this mindset of, you know, I'm going to focus on the things I can control versus the things I can't control, which kudos to you, man. I'm still work on that one. If I could, if I could somehow figure out um, how I could block the things I can't control and just move on, I'd be a much better person and kind of a work in progress on that one. But what else did you do to move forward?
0: Yeah, I think it's focusing on just the vision and opportunity ahead of you. I mean, I, I have this saying, I don't know how cliche it is or not, Of, I see every challenge as an opportunity. Because again, I think that kind of switches that victimized mindset to the ability to do something about it. Um, and and I also want to, like I said earlier, I don't want to pretend everything's fine and dandy and smooth and easy. Like I do have my bad days and some of the bad days are really bad. I mean, not to the extreme bad, but just, you know, they're, they're really tough. Um, and that's when I lean on my, my networking stuff too. So, <clears throat> so what do I, what do I do to, to overcome this stuff is one, just it's mental exercises, uh, to, to keep yourself resilient and, and know that there is possibility, know that you can make things happen. You can manifest, uh, uh some things of beauty. Um, and can you and give know, an example?
1: Can you give an example? When you say mental exercise, like specifically, is there something that you do that others may benefit from?
0: Um, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you one that's intentional, and one that's unintentional. Okay. The, intention, the intentional thing is, I mean, I know it's a little more mainstream now, but for good reason, is I've started to meditate. I wish I could do it more, but that's where I in the in the past few years really have started to see sort of the not out of body experience, but the, the ability to reflect on on my situation and and how I've coped, how I've responded, kind of that view that I told you about how it affects others, how it affected others that day, what what was their story like that day, what was going through their minds and their experiences. So one is meditation, just to ground myself and get away from all the the busy and the noise that is constantly around us to just really, I mean, the beauty of that is I, I, I rarely, if ever go to a meditation with an agenda, it's just having quiet time for 10 minutes and then just things come to you, whether it's personal or work or whatever. And you're like, Oh, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Um, so that, that's, that's one intentional thing.
1: Can I ask before you go on to the unintentional, um, when you do it, I guess, how often do you do it is the first question. And before doing it, have you noticed a difference in your mindset from like the time? Because it sounds like you came into it after the accident, and now you're doing it fairly regularly. Um, have you noticed a perceptible difference in in the way you feel?
0: Presence, presence, and gratitude is the are the main the main differences. Um, I feel like before I got into it, I I was always thinking about the next thing or deep into the current thing and. Also, not not reflecting on all the the graces and blessings and and awesomeness that's that's come in my life, which helps compound on everything. So, I think, Mike, that those are the two main things that I've learned to gain from that. I mean, again, I I had not I don't want to say low to little presence of gratitude prior to doing it, um, but that's one thing that's really helped me launch into tapping into a higher. Level of my, my being, my spirituality, and my um, understanding of being a fabric of this world.
1: And and how many how many times a week on average would you say you do it?
0: You know, it's it's a target to do it every day, um, whether it's one minute or ten minutes. Uh, it's, it's a target to eat healthier and exercise as well. <laughs> exercise, <more>. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but realistically, I probably do it two to two to four times a week. Okay, um, you know, I,
1: I think one thing you said is important is, you know, sometimes I'll do it a minute or 10 minutes. And I heard, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody said, I meditate as long as I need to get calm. Sometimes that's a minute and sometimes that's an hour. And I thought that was an awesome way of looking at it because, you know, oftentimes we're so rigid we're a type personalities like, I got to do it 20 minutes a day. And just that whole idea of, of doing it until you don't need it anymore on that given day is a great strategy.
0: Yeah, no, that 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 sounds like great strategy and like you know, with, with different things going on with work, with family, et cetera. I mean I before this this podcast, I did it for literally a minute. Um and before any big presentation or whatever, I try to do that. I try I try to interject both meditation and power pose. Um Amy Amy Purdy, Kurdy, if you haven't heard yep. that, that's another yep. amazing thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a very intentional thing that I do to, to ground myself in the present and try to perform to the best of my abilities in whatever I'm doing at the time.
1: And you mentioned an unintentional thing that you do. What's that?
0: Yeah. The unintentional thing, man, is, it's so cool. Cause it's, it's, it's sort of visioning it's, um, so when I first got hurt, like one of, like the, literally the day I got hurt, my biggest fear was not being able to have kids. That was always one of my, that was always very important to me to have kids. Um, and my biggest fear wasn't not walking in, not whatever. It was like, can I have kids still? And just putting that vision out there of that's an important thing to me. Yeah. I mean, we can talk in a different podcast that that's gone left, right and center, but right now I have three amazing and beautiful and chaotic kids <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, just, so that's one example, but it's just similar visioning of what is, what's a dream. And it's, you don't have to have your entire dream and have it all at once, but just having that, that vision or that view helps people go. I mean, same thing of like, if you have, if you, I, I always encourage people to book vacations ahead of time, like six months so you can look forward to, to that thing. And oh, like, this is so rough right now, but I can't wait. And in June, we're doing this. Right, it's it's similar like this vision of, you know, I'm going through this, but like, oh, I'm working towards the fact that I can have this. And and one thing I'll mention too is I've always found that it's very important to focus or at least take inventory of your balance with mind, body, spirit, because so often depending on what's happening in our lives, we over-index in one versus another, and it's a constant battle for myself to, to, to get those in somewhat alignment or move, move the dial on some of those even a little bit. But, um, I think that's very important for all of us to challenge ourselves to that balance of mind, body, and spirit.
1: hundred percent agree. I, I want to challenge one thing that you said, you said it's kind of unintentional, but it sounds like you're coming at this visioning process, I guess, if you will, intentionally, or does it just happen kind of serendipitously? And it's like, Oh, I have a new vision.
0: Well, that, that vision was born of a fear of mm. like I, you know, I I hope I can have kids and like I'm scared that I can't and that's where that vision is born so that's why I say it was unintentional I, I mean I, I definitely am a big believer and supporter of goal setting and vision setting etc yep. but um that one is born of you know <laughs> I don't I don't know how how uh <laughs> I how cheap how, I don't know I mean how how appropriate like having hey everybody like create a vision based on like your biggest fear <laughs> like what don't what you want to happen and then do that, <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of the kid thing. But you know, I, I, just reflecting on what I know, yes, the the, the more intentional visioning is, is has been helpful and impactful in other ways.
1: I I actually sometimes think fear is a great motivator. I uh, have been working with a lot of clients recently on using the impossible future as a way to kind of look at the way their life could unfold. And I love that language of impossible, which usually is very possible. It's more kind of the limitations or the obstacles that we put in the way. And, and in many respects, when you were sitting there and you learned that you were paralyzed, the fact that you said, listen, I want to have kids may have felt impossible at the time, but now you've got three kids, like you said.
0: Yeah. Hey man, like, and going back to the twists and turns of life and you never know what, what will bring you in. And the possible and the impossible. So fun fact, when I was, I grew up in Southern California, tried to be an, an actor in my high school days and whatever. It uh, didn't pan out. So I went to a, uh, an accounting firm <laughs> instead, which is, you know, complete opposite side. But uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: that happens a lot, weirdly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but, you know, the weird thing, man, it's, it's similar to that having that seed planted in the world and some seeds will sprout and others won't. Like, dude, I weirdly was asked to do a a commercial like last year and that spiraled into me getting an agent for commercial and film and TV and stuff. And, you know, it's been, it's some, it's caught on a little bit. So I'm doing some acting, but not tons, um, yet, but you know that's this out there in the world and the energy is out there and you know the, it, to me that was a, a dream that i no longer was pursuing but it kind of refound me and, it, and if you think about the injury like i now fit into a base of of d and I, disabled people um and a uh, disabled person and that's another one of my passions now that i've switched there's there's a couple things is is helping elevate that there's a lot of disability in the world and those who are inflicted it affects a hundred percent and also if you're not inflicted it can you know, impact your community those around you but hey man like me you can wake up tomorrow and something crappy happens and this you're now a part of that group never never know um so you know it's a matter of just keeping your eyes open putting planting those seeds and um trying to do your best man
1: So just building off on this visioning an impossible future before I get into what does life look like for you now? And you've kind of painted it a bit, but what is your impossible future that you're thinking about?
0: Oh, good question, man. I mean, with, with the recent, um, reduction in force layoff reorganization, whatever you you want to kindly put it, you know, it it has, um, caused me to reflect a little bit and, and what's my next, I'll reframe your question. What's my next vision? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I want to do what I've been called to do. And I don't know exactly what that is. And I think that's also okay. I think I get this, this energetic feel that it's something in the sphere of resilience and helping and inspiring and motivating people in different ways. That's part of the vision and you know, the vision, the, the ability, like every parent, the ability to, to support the kids and their education and safety and all that stuff. And, and, and my wife as well.
1: Well, will tell you just from my own personal story, which um, I hate even comparing mine to yours, but I'm kind of living my vision now and it took a good, I don't know, 10 years to unfold. And so I love kind of the direction you're going of helping people, uh, maybe diving into resilience, using your own story um, as a way to motivate people. But Joe, I think there's something there, especially listening to the mindset. I mean, I just keep going back to when I was trying to push you on like, what did you think when you found out you were paralyzed and everything is like, you know what? I focus on the things I can control. I, you know, tried to stay positive, positive. and so your ability to cultivate that for yourself is unbelievably inspiring. And you know, my hope for you someday is if you can somewhat translate that to other people, I think would be maybe it's your calling. Would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I mean, similar to this, like I, these are seeds that are being planted. Whether something will happen now or never, uh, who knows? But I mean, hopefully, these messages will touch. Some people and resonate with some people, and that'll help them, and that's that's awesome. And and maybe I continue doing the governance, risk, compliance, internal audit, cybersecurity stuff, <laughs> which is fine too. Um, but you know, I, I, one one way I'm approaching this, this is sort of on the the job front, which is maybe interesting or not. Is and I guess it's relevant to to the injury. Is like is I have my frame of what I envision of what my next thing or opportunity is, and I'm pushing for that. Um, but I'm also very much open and listening to the world and seeing what's presented to me. Some of the other topic of, you know, people sending me roles or things like I'm kind of not turning down many conversations. Cause I'm like, I, that next thing, that next impact, that next journey might be something completely left field, which has happened so many times in my life. Um, so it's a matter of one, creating your own luck of, of pushing hard and putting, you know, buying a lottery ticket for, for various things you want to do in life and planting the seeds, but also just, Seeing what the world provides, because what you think you want, oftentimes, I mean, I, I can, I don't know, nine times out, ten times out of ten, whatever, have gotten more than I wanted, and in and in, in things that I didn't envision that I wanted. If that makes any sense, like it just, you know, being open to to what the world has to give you.
1: I'm a huge, huge proponent of like really going deep on visioning and goals and how you want to live your life. But I will tell you, there is no substitute for just getting out there and trying things because like you said, when you do that, you find out, you know, well, you find opportunities that you potentially never would have thought about in a million years and it's potentially a a better path for you. So I, I could not agree more, Joe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and planted those seeds of your passions of whatever and again, some will sprout and some, some won't, but, some or in my case is acting things some will sprout 20 years later <laughs> uh, so, so.
1: who knows where it's going to come from so what is what does life look like for you now you've talked about your three kids you talked about acting um maybe just paint a picture of what the day you know in the life of Joe Gintu looks like
0: yeah um the other component i'm working on is i'm i recently or about a year ago was nominated to the the board and cfo of a nonprofit called Angel City Sports, which helps bring sport and activity to the disabled community, and I love what—I mean, man—the sacrifices that the CEO Clayton and his son Ezra, who's, who also has a disability, the sacrifices they made to, to bring this community and the powerhouse of what they've created is so amazing. And there's some really cool partnerships that we have for that we have that have in the pipeline for the, the Paralympics in LA 2028 when it's coming over here. So it's awesome views and visions. and I'm so excited to be part of that. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to see where I can make an impact with that. Um, but a, what does a day in life look like is depending on what's happening, working on that, working on um, just, you know, my my job applications and skill sets and interview prep and all that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> dude, if you want to talk about uh, failure, like this acting stuff, I've probably been on like hundred auditions and, you, I've gotten four jobs in the past couple of years, which is, is totally cool. But it's just it, getting used to rejection and, and adversity. <laughs> and, and again, maybe I mean, maybe like frankly, that's a part that maybe part, was part of my fabric too, is I was very used to rejection and failure and not good enough, and that helped build my resilience. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the what this full secret sauce is. Wait for the wait for the book in a couple of years, <laughs> if there will be a book. Um, but yeah, I mean, just and then just trying to be there for my like I. Dude, whenever things get tough, I always go back to what the things I value most. Is I'm, am I being a good dad? And am I getting, being a good husband? And so often, I when, when things get tough, I go back to that. I'm like, hmm, I'm not being an excellent dad. Let me beefen that up, or you know, I, I can improve mm-hmm. that as being supportive of my wife as a as a better husband. Let me, let me beef that up because every you know what, what do we live for, man? Like that's that's the stuff that I've identified that I kind of live for is specifically my family and then others, but. I always go back to that. Um, you know, I, I know the career in consulting was awesome. And, and, and I, I just, I've heard from so many people that it does have such a toll on people's personal and family lives. And, and I think it's possible to, I also hear where people do that and navigate that successfully, but I think it's, there's, there's a lot of intentionality required for, for finding that balance.
1: Joe, what about the things that I, I'll just put myself in this uh, camp. I take for granted, like working out, How do you bring that into your life? You did say that you work out, you watch, you know, the stuff you eat. Um, How do you, like, are there challenges with the basic things that we all take for granted?
0: Mike, I didn't even give you that question, but it's perfectly planted. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Like, so, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that Angel City Sports, that nonprofit I I mentioned does, because dude, there are so many barriers to entry of, for people with disabilities to, to be active. And so most people aren't. Like a sports chair is like over three thousand dollars, and that sports chair allows you to play basketball, tennis, other sports, um, and and then you, let's say you get a chair and you want to play basketball, like who do you play with? You have to find other people in wheelchairs because if I'm if I play with you in a, in a in my basketball chair, like the second I hit your shin, you're going to the ER because you have a broken shin. Um, so you know it's just a matter of of finding and establishing a community with. With those that you can be active with. I mean, for me, I have just a couple workout things in the garage. So I, I literally have no excuse, Mike, because it's right there to, nice. to work out. But you know, I mean, it, I, I was going to a normal gym too. And I didn't need for me, I didn't need anything adapted. I would just figure things out. But the hardest thing for me to, to figure out is cardio. Um, because there's only a limited things I can do um, to to get that. I mean, I, I sometimes push around the neighborhood or go for swims. I have a, a bike, um, a recumbent bike, which I use and which is awesome to use in my in our dream city of Santa Barbara where we were living. And that's and you're talking about vision. That's where we want to end up again. So I'll plant that seed there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just uh, try to stay active with with cardio and, and weights and stuff, and also trying to be active in a community that 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 cherishes that too.
1: I think you said something though, that's important um, because obviously it's a challenge you said to work out and you just figure it out. Like you go to the gym, it's obviously not structured for somebody with a disability, but you figure it out. And I think there's probably so many challenges in our lives that we oftentimes make up all these obstacles or not even make them up. They're real obstacles, but you figured out a way to overcome them.
0: Yeah. And that that, that that's so heavy, man, because that is a realization i had a few years ago after like a meditation of how mm. it's like man it's such a weight being lifted off thinking about how and acknowledging how hard life is for i mean also specifically for me like to, like and i broke it down this is stupid stupid example to brush my teeth to brush what do you do to brush teeth you go to the sink you pick up your thing you brush your teeth right. right for me like i have to navigate doorways and make sure i don't hit the doors I need to make sure I, I don't fit under the sink. So I need to angle it a particular way, put on the brakes, adjust my chair to reach the toothbrush, run water. I, I actually, I, I can't cup my hands. You know, when you, sometimes people like cup their hands, to yep. like yep. sip water and spit out, whatever. Like I, it's hard for me to cup my hands and bring it to my mouth just based on my core strength, stability based on the, the spinal cord injury. Um, so it's just like, so like what's a, what, what's a four step process for you is a 20 step process for me. And I don't even think about it anymore, but it 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 is um, not relieving, but just just a, coming to that self appreciation of like, man, yeah, you do do a lot of things to, to to get through. So I mean that that gym example is one where yeah, I just I trek through and whatever, but if you break it down, like it is, it's a journey to go to the gym or or find those things that you can do,
1: and and it's oftentimes the things like brushing your teeth or going to the gym. Uh, doing all of these things that we take for granted. And I think what's important to realize is that you've figured out a way to overcome those obstacles. And so it I'm just reflecting on my own life, like the shit I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I could do that. It's like, no, you know what, I can. Um, and I need to figure out my 20 step process if it's something difficult to overcome, but I can do it.
0: It's so easy to make excuses, man. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 I'm not judging you. I'm saying even for me, like, it's so easy to make excuses and okay. very, very legitimate excuses, man. I should be like, I could be a lawyer with the excuses I make. Um, uh, yeah, but, but I love you just, that. you just kind of figure it out. Like, okay, well, yeah, I, I need to brush my teeth, so you just, <laughs> you know, you brush your teeth.
1: So. Hey, Joe, I just want to ask you, and this is a very tactical question about Angel City <clears> Sports, <throat> and you mentioned uh, it costs $3,000 to... Um, to buy one of those wheelchairs that allows you to play uh, or engage in athletics. I'm having a hard time speaking today. Um, is that something that angel city sports does? And, and the reason why I'm asking this is what can somebody do if they want to help somebody procure a, a wheelchair like that, or is there a place to donate? What's what's the best place to, to put your money?
0: Yeah. So angel city sports is most is it started and it's currently based in Southern California. Um, I mean, it, there's no program like it in the world that brings end-to-end sports to the disabled community. Um, they actually provide equipment and they lend out equipment, et cetera. I mean, there's other small programs here and there that we've seen, but man, the, the, they're doing such a great, and I won't say they, but I'm part of it now. We're doing such a, a great job of just bringing everything together and giving people access to this stuff on, on some type of recurring basis. Like like you're saying, people take it for granted. You can go to the gym and play pick a game, pick a game of pick-up basketball this or that like you just can't do that when you're when you're when we have certain types of disabilities so what can people do one if you're in Southern California you can um, volunteer or attend some of the events uh, we have an annual gala we have an annual uh, and we, we there's usually some celebrities for those who are into that um, that attend the gala and the games my when my son was born he, he played wheelchair basketball with Adam Sandler and Rob Snyder came out. Another time, and just had a there we just had an event last weekend that Nicole Kidman hosted called Gold Meets Golden to benefit the, the organization. So there's there's cool things that you can do to rub elbows, but um, obviously monetary gifts are are welcome and, and very much needed as well. Um, if you're out of the Southern California area and you want to be active and participate, I mean we we do need to help and volunteers on some of the other backend stuff, um, or just be engaged in your local communities and and see what's happening out there because. I mean, you probably won't find much, but um, you know, happy to be a resource of what we've been able to establish here if you're interested in in starting to build a community in the place that you're you're located.
1: So Joe, when you reflect on the last 17 years, that's amazing. What what advice or guidance would you have for others that maybe not necessarily even in a similar situation, but where maybe they they had something happen to them that was unexpected and they're fighting their way back what what would be a couple of things that you would say they should focus on or do
0: um just have grace and and patience with yourself and love for yourself and have hope and confidence that things will be okay I mean frankly, we don't know if things will be okay but why have a different mindset? Um, so you know, just do the best that you can to be present and um, go through what you're going through. I mean, I think in general, it's some just tenets of life be a nice per- be nice to those people around you. be nice if you're in a diverse situation to the nurses, to the people that are checking you into the front front desk and just continue spreading that positive love and energy. and hopefully the world will give back to you. I mean, it's it's I, I, I like to think that, the equity you build in those, the positive equity you build in that will overcome some of the negative, negative equity you could build. And hopefully you'll have net positive happening, happening back to you. Um, if, if you're kind of in the, the karmic, the karma type of, of mindset. So yeah, just be, be present, be, be kind, be patient and loving to yourself. Um, appreciate those around you because that you're probably having much more of an impact than you think good or bad. And I think people appreciate being appreciated and know that you see them and and that you appreciate them. I think that that gives them energy and power to continue their their support and being in your sphere as well. And and, and this is also what I mentioned before too. Is like, dude, make your own luck. Like, yeah, people are lucky. I, I definitely agree. But I mean, I don't not I don't buy lottery tickets all the time. But then again, if it gets big, like you're not going to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. Like, create your own luck and push for or plant seeds of things you want and the things you want to do, but it's, you know, the, you don't know what'll, what'll come. You got to play the game.
1: Joe, I was going to ask you, like, I love the whole notion of like create a positive mindset. You talked about focus on the things you could control earlier, but I like this notion of make your own luck and and just to make it real. Cause that's very tangible. It's like, I'm going to take an action that maybe I otherwise wouldn't. Is there something that you have done the last 17 years where you say, you know what, I did something that changed the trajectory of my life. I made my own luck that has now made my life better. Like what's one thing that you've done?
0: Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you, and so I don't know if this is like the top thing, but this is just an example, one of the top examples that popped my mind.
1: The f- one that jumps into your mind first, which yeah. is perfect.
0: <laughs> which, which. I, so we were living in, in a beautiful central coast city called San Luis Obispo. It always yep. been our dream to live in, in Santa Barbara, though. We, we love the community. We loved the the sunshine. <laughs> we had some friends out there. Um, we loved just everything about it. And it was just always a, a long shot. And we, we, we kind of kicked the can down the road so that, you know, it's kind of never going to happen unless we have $10 million. Put that vision out there. And we just had had faith. And in some ways, so what we did is we started trying to see, Hey, can we buy move, et cetera. How do we make that work with work, et cetera. So you're actively thinking and navigating and putting that out in the world, talking to people in your network. But my one thing I haven't talked about as well is the ability to let go a little bit. So you put it out there and you push, but you also let go to, again, to my, my instance is a higher power of, you know, you can only control what you can control. I mean, I'll give a specific example on that is when we're debating on some life moves of whether to move to Santa Barbara or somewhere else. Um, my spiritual advisor, my priest said, Hey, take a picture of your family. Cause that's what, I mean, that's what, what's important to you. Put it on your phone that you look at a million times a day and and so put it on your lock screen. And so you look at them and and the phrase that he gave me is thy will be done, which is a very Catholic phrase, but others can say other things, but it's just like, looking at that and 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 thinking like hey I want to bring all this love power positive energy what's best to my family and also you know doing what I can but also letting go and letting the world and energy and spirituality take take its its course as well so you know that's one 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 example Mike of envisioning Santa Barbara thinking and that's one example where that's something I think I want very, very, very indirect ways of that we actually ended up there. Um, ways that I never would have been able to chart out, but I think it started with with us just putting that, mind, that, that thought out there.
1: So Joe, let's end it with your song. So Time to Sing Your Song, uh, it was influenced by my view of wanting freedom. And Time to Sing Your Song was based on a Led Zeppelin song, Ramble On. Ramble On, Time to Sing My Song. And so I love to end all conversations with... What is your song that really brings to life the journey that you've been on?
0: Yeah, I mean, and this just came to me when I first got hurt, and it still sticks me to, with me today. Um, it's a it's a song by Coldplay called "Fix You." It it just it, there's so much passion in the journey of that song. I'm not like a lyricist where I fully dissect a song, but just when I play it, there's a sense of emotion that it starts off slow with. Sort of you're down in despair and then it, it ends with such a high energy and and that you've over kind of with the sense that you've overcome, but also, you know, wallowing in the fact that things suck sometimes and there are times for mourning, but don't, don't let that overcome and t- overtake who that, who that overtake who you are. Um, so I'll, I'll play it for just a second for, for a couple of chords for those who may not be as familiar with it. Um, so you can kind of hear, hear how it goes. You never try, you'll never know. Just watch your.
1: Joe man that uh that touches me deep. Um I love that song. Thank you for spending an hour with me on time to sing your song. Like I said at the beginning, you're a huge inspiration to me. You're actually more of an inspiration to me just thinking about the journey that you've gone on and you know the hope and optimism that you bring to your life. Um I'm guessing there's probably a lot of people that are looking at you as somebody that inspires them and hopefully everybody's taken a few things away that they can apply in their life, especially when they get knocked on their ass. So Joe, thank you
0: very much. Thanks Mike, dude. I love what you're doing with this podcast. I mean, I've listened to, to so many of your episodes and I've learned so much from the guests that you've had on and hearing other people's stories and just, it humanizes the world in, in ways that we need so much right now. And, and just being able to connect and listen to, to people and, um, I, I, I commend you, man. I, it's, it it took a lot of guts to do what you're doing and, um, you you made an impact on me. So, um, I I really appreciate that you, you had me on today.
1: Joe, thank you very much. What an inspiring story and life you have created. This is my 10th interview. I can't believe that. And for the life of me, I never imagined the diversity and rawness of the stories that my guests are sharing. And that was certainly true today. I hope you were able to take away some nuggets of wisdom from Joe that you can apply to your life. If you're new to Time to Sing Your Song, go back to past episodes to hear other amazing stories of rock bottom and redemption. And to all my listeners, sincere thanks for being part of this community I am building. My goal is to help everyday people like you and me to use the hard times as a catalyst to create a life that we are all meant to live. Until next time. Start singing your song today, because as the anonymous quote goes, tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. In its place is something that you have left behind. Let it be something good.